What's up, guys? Leah Pika here. Today's guest is one of the early pioneers of tag-based analytics and is here to help you transform your stakeholder conversations. Stay tuned to find out who's making waves on the Present Beyond Measure Show, episode 42. Welcome to the Present Beyond Measure Show, a podcast at the intersection of analytics, data visualization, and presentation awesomeness. You'll learn the best tips, tools, and techniques for creating analytics visualizations and presentations that inspire data-driven decisions and move you forward. If you're ready to get your insights understood and acted upon, you're in the right place. And now your host, Leah Pika. Hey, hey, guys. Welcome to the 42nd episode of the Present Beyond Measure Show, the only podcast at the intersection of presentation, data visualization, analytics, and storytelling. This is the place to be if you're ready to make maximum impact and create credibility through thoughtfully presented insights. So a couple of big developments for this month. I just signed on as a keynote speaker for the Analytics Nexus 2019 Virtual Summit hosted by Clarivine. It is the virtual event where the best brands share analytics best practices, and I'm really excited to be part of this event. There's some really big names showing up. Jim Stern, Adam Greco, Brent Dykes, as well as uh, brand representatives from big brands like Disney, Hilton, and Verizon. So it's going to be an awesome event. And I'm really excited because I'm going to be debuting my brand new keynote, uh, The Conscious Critique, Six Simple Ways to Deliver Powerful Constructive Feedback. And I launched this as my most previous podcast episode. And it's been really making waves because I think it's... um, pretty undiscussed and unpacked area of a really integral part of our jobs every day. And my goal is to make the entire presentation process, including the process by which we give and receive feedback on those presentations. My goal is to make that a really rewarding experience that builds rapport for you, which gets you bigger results from those presentations. So uh, you can visit analyticsnexus.com to sign up. It's totally free and it's happening February 19th. The other really big news for this month is that as of recording today, I've launched my beta run of my live virtual Inspired Insights data storytelling bootcamp. And I don't mind saying that I'm already so humbled by the breakthroughs that my students are experiencing just after one day. One student said that he realized his data presentations were missing insight and action and that he'd be reworking all of his stuff using some of the tools in the class. Another one said that my positive energy made the class engaging and fun, which is such a big goal of mine. And finally, one student said the class was intense because it exposed him to what his potential is in his role. Pretty amazing stuff. So if you are a digital practitioner, analyst, marketer, SEO, SCM, CRO on a small team or a solo consultant, and you're interested in equipping yourself with a master tool belt of my most effective data storytelling, presentation, and visualization techniques, visit leahpeekacom slash bootcamp to sign up for a spot in my next run of the Inspired Insights virtual web class. So my next class runs from February 12th to the 14th. 
It's over three days, just an hour and a half a day. And there are limited spaces available. This content is usually offered only to private corporate workshop students, but I'm opening it to the public for the first time so that you can get empowered with the toolbox you need to tell data stories for maximum impact. And it's from the convenience of your own desk. So while this is still going to be run as a live class, and it will not be forever, there are a limited number of seats because this is a really high-touch experience with access to me that is usually only reserved for my private students. And we're going to have some fun along the way. So again, that link to grab your seat is at leahpika.com bootcamp. I am so excited to see you there. All right, so I am super excited about today's guests. He has over 20 years of online marketing industry experience, and he's led web analytics initiatives in senior internet marketing management roles. And now he is the founder and CEO of a pretty kick ass analytics agency. Let's go. Hello, today's guest is one of the early pioneers of tag-based web analytics. As the founder and CEO of Moss Media Today, he oversees the development of some of the e-marketing industry's most notable digital analytics programs and professionals. Since launching Moss Media, his team has helped numerous Fortune 500 clients develop and analyze e-marketing analytics programs that deliver measurable and immediate ROI. He's been recognized for his achievements by the Digital Analytics Association, the Interactive Media Council, and Web Marketing Association. He teaches a course on web analytics for the Online Marketing Institute, and he's just around the corner as a fellow Philly resident. So with that, I'd like to introduce you to Aaron Moss. Welcome. Thanks, Leah. It's a pleasure to be on your show. <laughs> pleasure to have you. So we have bumped into each other from time to time at various industry events, and we thought it would be a great idea to have you on the show since you work so closely with analysts and clients and data, which makes you perfect. Um, so first, everyone's going to want to know your origin story. Tell us a little bit about how you fell into the world of measure. Well, it was kind of by accident. It was way back in the late 1990s uh, during the, uh, the internet bubble. Uh, a friend of mine had uh, invented an ad serving technology um, and asked if I'd like to start a business with him. So uh, I looked into it and within a couple weeks, I had quit my job moved to Boston and um, filed the paperwork to incorporate. Um, that early technology soon um, became uh, a, a website traffic tracking and reporting tool. We found that there was quite a bit of demand for tracking uh, web behavior and determining uh, ROI on campaign spend. And um, we found that the technology that was serving ads could also be used to uh, track web behavior. Um, and this was 1998. Um, so I sort of fell into that a little bit by accident. Sure. My, my partner got into law school a couple years later. Um, and I, just, I thought I couldn't, I couldn't continue without him. Um, and so we decided to sell the business in 2000. Uh, but ever since, I have spent my career in uh, digital advertising and analytics. Got it. Well, 
I think so many of us can relate to the idea that we fell into it by accident and no one trained us in analyst school <laughs> or presenter school. So I think it's so interesting how people's paths evolve like that. So fast forwarding to today, you know, if we were locked in a room with the team of mass media, what would you be able to help me do by the time we come out? I think where a lot of a lot of people and a lot of companies struggle is not with getting data because uh, I think there's just tons of it out there and more and more of it every day, um, but trying to figure out what to do with it. And that comes from um, people with experience uh, in how to use the tools that are available and collecting and analyzing that data, but also in uh, experience interpreting it and applying it to um, solving business challenges. So uh, I think that's probably what we would help the most is, hey, you've got all this data, this data on your business, this data on your customers. Um, now, uh, what does it mean to us and how can we use it? Mm -hmm. That's great. And what role does data visualization and storytelling play in terms of how you present your findings? Data visualization is uh, is is a, is a means to an end. It's it's uh, for us, and uh, it's part of the discovery process. So mm -hmm. typically, um, we we start with what are the what are the business goals and business challenges. Now, uh, what data do you have available? Um, and then let's look at that data and see if we can find any patterns in that data that might be able to um, reveal to us some answers to those questions. But it's not until you start digging into the data that you, you know, will know whether we have something on our hands or not, or something that's valuable. And that's where data visualization comes in. Because, you know, a good data visualization allows you to see those patterns in ways that you can't see just looking at a table, for instance. Mm. That is an excellent point. <laughs> It is so true. You can get close to the data and you might be able to read it in a certain way, but conveying that in a really clear way, a table is not simply not going to do the same as a graph and a well-executed graph, I would add to that. Um, so in working closely with your analysts and marketers, what are, what are they getting right right now in terms of communicating the insights they're finding? I think what they're getting right is that finally data has come to the forefront um, in terms of being accepted as a way to prove an hypothesis or a way to find answers or a way to optimize spend or a way to uh, increase revenue. But mm -hmm. um, so that's what I think is right. Uh, uh, but, but how that happens, I think there's still a, a lot of, there's still a lot of room for improvement. Mm -hmm. I see. Okay. So tell me more about the room for improvement that you see. What would you love to see being done better? Uh, so I was interviewed recently by the uh, Digital Analytics Association. And um, this sort of came up uh, in the interview. Um, it wasn't too long ago when I felt like we as analysts and practitioners in the digital analytics industry had to twist arms to just to get um, attention for using data uh, in effective ways to, you know, 
answer questions or optimize them or, or use it in, 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 in ways that marketing can take advantage of it. I mean, just to get a seat at the table was, um, was not easy. And I, th- I feel like the pendulum has swung almost in the complete opposite direction to the point where it's, it's, now it's, it's not a problem getting attention for, for data, but it's, it's almost like, um, the perception is that data can be some sort of silver bullet to solve Mm. problems. And you see this manifested in, uh, commercials and ads for business intelligence software and, and, um, and even in job descriptions, um, exclaiming that, you know, you can, you can, uh, get all the insights you need with the push of a button, you know, or, or, um, you know, hiring, uh, <laughs> data officer to, to help us uncover groundbreaking insights to revolutionize our business. I mean, sounds great, but it's not realistic. Mm-hmm. And, um, and does the industry a little bit of a disservice because in, in my experience, the reality is that, um, analysis and using data in effective ways isn't easy. I mean, it takes time. It takes, uh, it takes people, it takes resources, it takes investment. Um, and it just doesn't, it's not something that happens overnight. Right. So, uh, that's where, that's where I think that there's room for improvement. Can you give us an example where an analysis by someone on your team kind of stood, I know I'm putting you on the spot here, but was there anything that really stood out in terms of what you're talking about, about being that it wasn't easy, but in a way for me, presentation of analysis should make like it looks easy if that makes sense, like the presenter should almost make it look like it was easy. (laughs) Um, and, and in that way, I feel it allows the audience to really focus on the actual, like the, the more clear the insights are presented and the more actionable they feel, it feels more effortless, I guess, in my view. So is there anything that stands out to you in terms of an analysis or a case study that you have that really stood out as solving for the challenges that you're talking about? Yeah, uh, I can give you a few examples. Great. But but I'm going to start with um, uh, a moment that was, uh, it was was an epiphany for me. Um, And it it was, we were working for, uh, one of our clients who uh, is, is, a, is a large computer, computer manufacturer, and the the task was we have um, we have all this survey data, this customer satisfaction survey data mm-hmm. about, uh, on our site uh, that's been running for years, um, and it's not tied to any of the behavioral web data that we have. Uh, they were using um, they were using Adobe Analytics. Um, and I, and I, f- I forget the survey platform they were using, but essentially they had the behavioral data and attitudinal data, and they wanted to merge that data and see if there were, um, any insights that we could, uh, uncover. 
and it was a it's a it's a pretty broad ask you know typically we 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 work with our clients to, to define uh, a little bit more clearly like what is it that you're looking for uh, in general we knew what the business was about and what they were trying to do but um, this was sort of like a blue sky type project so um, I mean, I have to admit, I'm I'm not a Tableau expert, mm-hmm. but I know enough about Tableau to um, to know what it's capable of. Mm-hmm. And so, I worked with one of our analysts who is a Tableau expert, um, but didn't necessarily have the kind of experience where she could ask big, you know, the, the bigger picture type questions. And, and so as she was putting together a deck for this client on the results of this analysis, uh, using Tableau to build the charts, I stood over her shoulder and we were looking at the data together and she was showing me, um, the results of the merge of these two different types of data. We merged on, um, the survey complete ID for the survey surveys were being passed into, uh, Adobe analytics. So that allowed us to, to merge the two data sets. And she was um, she was putting the data together into some charts, and I uh, I asked, well, what is it if you were to look at page views, which is probably the most boring web metric of all? No. <laughs> <laughs> and and customer satisfaction, what what comes up? Mm-hmm. And and we and what, we I so she said, well, I don't know. Let's let's see. And so she just she she dragged. Um, her web metrics, uh, those web metrics into um, the, dimen- the that dimension into the charts, and also um, the, the customer satisfaction results into the same chart. And what appeared was okay. We've got um, a section of this company's site that has the highest satisfaction, but the lowest number of page views for that section, mm. um, which in and of itself isn't that interesting. But then the section of the site that had the lowest satisfaction had the highest number of page views. And that oh. was like o- almost too coincidental. Interesting. Like, was there a relationship? Mm-hmm. So, the, so the next thing we did was we went to actually look at what the, the user experience was on the site. The, the section that had the highest um, customer satisfaction was the consumer section of the site. They sell like consumer laptops. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's not, should not be a surprise that that section of the site was designed with the consumer in mind. You know, here's a, a product configurator, a comparison of different features and benefits of these products. There was a very clear where to buy or how to buy call to action. So, um, you know, the things that you would expect to see in a consumer oriented website, these, it turns out the section with the lowest satisfaction and the highest number of page views was, um, like the server section or the, uh, like the tailored to more commercial applications. And that section of the site had none of those features, Mm. uh, instead had very technical PDF, like, um, downloads like tech specs for the different products there was no there was no um clear call to action on how to buy those products there was no um there was no tool that helped you compare the benefits of each of those products and so you can infer from the results that it was such a poor experience that um people who were looking to buy products for that um 
end use, the commercial products, were clicking around, looking for more information and not finding it and driving up the number of page views. Mm. So, I mean, if you were to step back and just look at the user experience, it's sort of like a no brainer. Okay, this is an ugly site. I can't find anything. Um, it should be obvious that it needs work. But when in this day, you know, you got big companies um, with um, distributed departments and different budgets and, you know, global organizations, uh, there's not a lot of time, you know, resources stretch thinly. So stuff like that can, can slip through the cracks. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it takes an analysis like that to reveal where the opportunities are, to reveal where the problems are that need fixing. And it was, and the, the, the moment for me that was the epiphany was combining the, the subject matter expertise of the analyst who knew ta- how to use Tableau mm-hmm. and, and, and my bigger picture knowledge of the, of the company and, and the website and, and the products um, and what might be happening or explaining certain behaviors that we were able as a team mm. to come up with this insight that then we could turn around and deliver to the client. Wow, that is a really fascinating case study. And it's interesting how you talked about the role of a team bringing that together. What are you? Th- what do you think are the different complementary skills of each teammate that allowed that synthesis to happen? I think the I think that the the best insights come out of um, co- collaborative experiences, or co- collaborative um, projects where um, you have a diverse array of uh, people in the room with. Um, with different uh, expertise and experience and skill sets, uh, I, I think it's I think it's um, it's it's not it's not realistic to think that one analyst sitting um, in a, in a cube by themselves can somehow be expected to pour through mountains and mountains of data mm-hmm. and, and come up with uh, groundbreaking insights that are going to be game changers for a global organization in, in two hours or whatever it is the time that they've been given to find, you know, find some insights. You know, in my experience, like magic happens when you have people with the right skill sets pulling the data and visualizing it in a way um, that allows more people in the organization to see what's going on and give them an opportunity to, to think about what's going on, understand what's going on. I think it's the job of the, of the analyst, not just to, um, to create the, these visualization, present it, but also to help stakeholders understand where the data comes from and what it might mean. Maybe not, they, I don't think they could be expected to come up with the insights themselves, but at least explain enough about the data to stakeholders so that maybe together as a team, insights can happen. Insights will be discovered. Mm-hmm. I could not agree with you more on the aspect of collaboration. Uh, what you're talking about actually brought up a, a fond memory of uh, an analysis that I was asked to do, and I chose to loop in one of my marketing cronies. And I remember sitting there with her, and we were combing through data together and finding all of these interesting nuggets that 
many of them were only possible because she had her unique lens and perspective that she was bringing to join with mine. And when we presented that final product together to our stakeholders, it was one of the most talked about presentations for months after that. And what's interesting is that a lot of times I've done an analysis on my own and then presented to a group a finished product. But some of the more interesting meetings that I've had are where we call them expeditions, where we would just project Tableau on a screen. And I would start with three major question points of saying, I wanted to know this, this, and this. And I show them my visual, but I said, now where, where can we go with this? Where would we like to explore? And it really facilitated some fascinating dialogues. So I'm all about the collaboration. I love that. So, um, that's a great, I'm going to just, um, piggyback off of that and, and, and turn our conversation. I know we talked before, before this, before you started recording that you'd like to talk a little bit about like what stakeholders can ask of analysts to get more value from, um, the data and from data visualizations. Um, and I would say that if you're a stakeholder and, you get an email with uh, a dashboard or a report uh, as an attachment, or you're in a room like you described, Leah, and you're and someone's presenting data to you. Um, if if you don't fully understand it, and I don't, and I would argue that you kind of need to fully understand it in order to be able to take any kind of action or come up with any kind of insight from it, then I, I would highly recommend that that you ask of the analyst what their process was in getting there and building the report. Where did the data come from? Um, how was it collected? What tools did you use? Um, what does it mean that this data is here and then and now it's being visual, visualized? Um, and, and then like, if you, if you understand the process and how it was collected and how the data was presented, then that sort of provides a little bit more context on how you might be able to use it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm glad we've segued here because um, just to take a step back, you know, what this show has covered mostly are what are the things analysts can do to present their information in a way stakeholders can extract the most value from. But like you said, and if we're talking about collaboration, I think the most successful leveraging of insights comes when there's a collaboration between stakeholder and presenter analyst. So let's start with those three questions. What are the questions that stakeholders aren't asking analysts about the data that could really transform the value they're getting from it? So when I started Moss Media 10 years ago, my very first client, um, I, he was a bit of a mentor to me, but, um, and, and, and also uh, I, I, I can uh, credit him with, Help, helping float the company from the beginning by sending sending us work um, and sticking with us through many of those years. Um, he he taught me something that that has stuck with me ever since, and and that and that is because sometimes you know I have to admit even even I fell into the trap of you know finding data uh, that I thought was interesting but but didn't really mean anything or that you could do anything with. And, and he would often challenge me with, um, asking three questions, what, what, and what, 
what's, <laughs> what's happening? Like, what is this, what is going on in the data here? Um, and that's sort of like what I just described, you know, and suggested that stakeholders do is to ask what, what does this data mean? How is it collected? Um, and how, what was the process that used to get here? The next question, once you've understood that what's happening is to ask, well, what does it mean? This data, like why, um, why is it important? You know, what, what could I possibly do with this? You know, tell, tell me how this is significant. Uh, and that really puts it back on the analyst to, to, to try to explain, like, why are you, why did you take the time to show me this data? Uh, and, and I think that there, you know, analysts have an obligation to think about that question first before they present any data to stakeholders. But I do think that stakeholders should be challenging analysts with that question. And then the third question should be, well, what do I do next? Mm-hmm. Now that I know that this is what happened and that this is more than just an interesting phenomenon, um, but that, that it actually means something to my business potentially, what would I, what might I do next about this? What action might I take as a result? Ask those three questions. And I, I think you might get a lot more out of the data and the, and the, and your analysts and the data visualizations they present to you. Those are really interesting. And what I would add almost to the end is addition to that. And now what is as a stakeholder, I want to know what am I leaving on the table if I don't do <laughs> what you think is best or if I don't take any action? Has, has that ever been incorporated, like looking at the possible opportunity cost of not acting? Right. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, da- data is, can be essentially used in two ways. One, for, for uh, a for-profit company to save money you know, or save cost and time or to make money, right? So it could be either one, but you know, if, if I'm being presented data, then you know, I wanna know how I might use it in one of those two ways. And, and, and I will say, so I've, I've been in the stakeholder shoes before. You know, I, I, mm. I worked at DuPont um, in an e- e-marketing role, and I worked at Comcast in an e-commerce role, um, and I've worked with many agencies um, and have seen how, you know, that's, uh, there were times when I might sit on a two hour call and go through an 80 page deck of charts mm-hmm. that, that, uh, and then at the end, I, I'm still left wondering, okay, like what did this, you know, what did this mean for my business? Did I get any more sales out of it or more customers and, and, and what can we do next about it? And, and that should never happen. Right. Are you finding that clients are asking these questions or is this something that they themselves need to be trained on? Very good question. <laughs> uh, both. So um, I, I do think that stakeholders, that companies and executives ought to stop and take the time a little bit more to, to ask those critical questions about the data and and what they're being presented with by their internal um, resources and um, and their agencies, I I know that you know it's it's there's so okay so as, as a practitioner and as a consultant we have an obligation a responsibility to deliver value to our clients right um, 
And to me, that doesn't always just mean that doesn't just mean doing what was asked of us and doing it well. It means going above and beyond, anticipating some of the questions that that weren't asked. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, we're the experts, right? I mean, we're the experts in the tools and the technologies and the data, but we're not experts in the business, their business, right. for instance. So that's where I think the, the whole um, teamwork and collaboration comes in is, um, you know, it's tell, tell, tell me, stakeholder, um, tell me what is it that you want to know? Tell me your pain points. Tell me what's a problem for you that you'd really love to, to solve or um, like what would really add value here? Like what are your goals for this quarter or for this year? And, and then now let's figure out how we might be able to solve those problems or answer those questions with the data um, so it's just taking the time to, to, to stop and, and think about those questions, ask those questions um, that I think it needs to happen a little bit more. I completely agree with you. And, you know, when I, when I take my workshop students through a methodology called the PICA protocol, it starts with questions always. And some of those questions are kind of looking at your stakeholders more than just a person you report to, but it's someone where you're actually in getting invested in what would make them successful. Like what is hot on their plate right now? What is keeping them up on, at night? What's their biggest hurdle right now? And what would make their quarter be exceptional what would make their bonus, <laughs> what would max out their bonus, you know, like in thinking of those ways. And then you're acting as a support system to make them successful, which is essentially how I see the role of a person delivering that information. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Let me give you um, another example. Sure. So um, I was working for um, a large chemical manufacturer and um there was a product that had a, a site and, and uh, important to selling this product was color. Color was very important. And um, there were about 150 or 60 different colors that this product um, could be purchased in. And there was one page on the site that had a one inch by one inch um, picture of the color, uh, a sample of the color. All of the colors appeared on this page in um, four columns. So you can imagine to put 150 colors on one page that was only four columns, you'd have to scroll pretty far to <laughs> see the colors, which you'd think doesn't present the best user experience. So the so the thought was well we should you know let's re, let's redesign this page and and um, let's pull some of the data to see what the what is being clicked on and what colors are important and then let and which are prof, most profitable and and maybe put those colors above the fold. So we we pulled the we pulled data the data on that on two years of, of click data on that page and um, we what was interesting is we found that the uh, most click colors were actually pretty well below the fold, which was, which was interesting. interesting so now yeah. it's interesting, right? But what can you do with that? You know, that's one of the what's, what can you do with that information? Mm -hmm. Um, well, for one, we thought, well, hold on, maybe, maybe I'm not sure whether we need to redesign this page now, but, um, 
the company was a Six Sigma uh, co- driven company, and and that's a, a, a business methodology for um, eliminating errors and and using data to um, deliver results in a very scientific way. If you're not familiar with Six Sigma, mm-hmm. um, and um, a black belt was assigned. Um, actually, and um, started um, digging into the data, and we we pulled. We decided that we were going to pull sales data for the same period and see if there was any correlation between clicks on colors and sales of material in those colors. And um, and we found that there actually was a a, a pretty high correlation um, between clicks and sales of those colors three months later. Interesting. Well, um, so now that the, now that the data was in the hands of more people who were thinking more broadly about the business, um, it was, it was determined that if clicks could be a leading indicator of demand three months ahead of when a sale would actually occur, then maybe clicks could be used as an as a factor in de, in helping to determine how much material to manufacture, mm. this company had a, a team of economists whose sole job was to to develop models to forecast how much material to, to manufacture, and and this um, this new metric, uh, which by the way is again one of the most basic metrics. <laughs> yeah clicks on images on the web page, um, ended up becoming, um, a key factor in helping to fine tune this model and, and help the company save close to $5 million that first day, or I'm sorry, year, first day, 5 million. In one. <laughs> I was gonna say, wow. In, in the first year though, which is still very it's still, yes. Wow. That is really fascinating. So it, it really always comes down to the context of the business you know, a North Star metric, I'm sure you'd get laughed off the stage at an analytics conference saying that clicks are a North Star metric. But in this particular case, they were. And I love that your team kind of got to the bottom of that and wasn't afraid to focus on that and ended up putting something in place that really served your client. I think that's awesome. So one more question before we move on to the next segment. You know, as an owner of an agency where you are hiring and training analysts, how is the dissemination of insights, the communication of insights, how does that factor into the culture? You know, are they getting trained for that? Are they kind of learning on their own? Are they learning by experience? Can you speak to that a little? It's a good question. Um, but, but, but first, just for clarification, uh, I don't own Moss Media anymore. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, we were we uh, the um, the firm was acquired by Hero Digital uh, four months ago. Uh, so, oh, congrats. Uh, thank you. Now I run um, the data and you know uh, parts of the data and insights practice for Hero Digital, um, which is based in San Francisco. We're we're still in, in Philadelphia, um, but as far as as training analysts to um, to ask those questions and, de- and deliver those insights. It's, it's an ongoing process and, um, it's, it takes, it takes coat, you know, it takes coaching. It takes persistence. 
Um, and the, the model that, that, that I use is again, a, a team approach. So on every project, on every engagement, on every client, um, we pair, uh, an analyst, um, a junior analyst generally, uh, with a more senior person on the team. Oh, wow. Uh, and, um, that way we, we, um, we have some senior level supervision of the, the, the junior analyst, um, who then, um, is coached on, um, what to do with the data and, and how the data might be used in, in novel or in innovative ways. Uh, and I, and I found that without that pairing, um, it's very, like I said before, like we were talking about earlier on, um, it's, it's very hard to come up with insights in a vacuum. It's, it's, it's when done right, it's a lot easier to do in, in a, in a collaborative environment. And so, uh, I think it's very important to have, uh, at least two on every project, someone a little bit more senior who can be asking questions. Okay. You just pulled all that data. You're about to send that report to the client or to your boss. Now, um, before you do take a stab at interpreting it first, mm. take it, ask some of the questions that you think the stakeholder might ask and they should be asking questions, mm-hmm. you know, probing questions about what it means and what they might do with it. Ask those questions first and try to come up with an answer on your own and then deliver those insights, deliver your interpretation of the data along with the data itself, along with the data visualization itself. So that, you know, your stakeholders have something to go on. That is such a fascinating strategy. I think that's so great. I mean, I remember joining certain projects as sort of a budding analyst and feeling kind of stranded (laughs) uh, where I was hoping to just come up with some stuff on my own and, and hoped it flew with the client. But the really more successful ones were the ones where I did have intervention and collaboration with a senior person who was closer to that client and was able to act as a proxy for them, essentially, so the finished product would go much further. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you uh, just another example that sort of highlights how important that is, collaboration. Um, last November, um, Strava, the, uh, the fitness tracking company, I don't mm-hmm. know if you, if you do biking or running and you have a, you know, a, a Fitbit or, um, fitness tracker, you might use the Strava app to, 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 um, track your run, um, or your bike ride. And it, it maps, Strava will map your course. And then, um, for, there's an option to, to publish your, your run. Um, and millions and millions of these runs have been, um, you know, uploaded to Strava and in November Strava published all of their data publicly. Uh, I think it was something like, um, 13 trillion GPS data points were, were, were published online for everyone to see. That was last November. Um, and it, and it, this was, so all this data was out there for a couple months and it wasn't until January of this year, a couple months later, when a student, a graduate student, um, studying, uh, international security, uh, came across this data and from, from his perspective of international security, he, he 
discovered that within the data, um, soldiers and uh, military personnel around the world um, had been uploading their uh, the routes where they've run and bike. Oh, wow. From the, their bases. So you could, you could almost literally trace the, um, outlines of individual military bases oh in the world. Um, and he tweeted this out, like, oh, take, boy. you know, and, um, so if you think about, well, so the, so the mil I think the military got involved and, and, <laughs> Yeah. Strava said uh, they that they would redact some of that data and, and um, take it down. And um, but if you think about the U.S. military and all of the resources that it has at its disposal, um, intelligence and you know all, all that, um, they they never just they didn't discover that it wasn't them who you know. Right. Who uncovered this this major security risk? It was some graduate student who just happened to, across the data, who applied his own learnings in the in the right context, and in in many ways, it's kind of luck yeah. uh, that he found this. And it 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 was it it wasn't until the data was published like that, and this guy found it that 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 was discovered. So it's like. If you don't, if you're an organization and you you're sitting on top of all this great information that that you don't, you might not know what to do with it, but yeah. else might. So it would, you know, I think it's in every organization's best interest to get that information out, democratize it to as many people as possible, and you you might you might be surprised how how many insights might come out of doing just that. That is an incredible story. I'll have to look that up. But you're right. It's it, the more lenses are on something, the more the more you see. <laughs> that's just that's a, a fantastic example of that. Thank you for sharing that. So, Aaron, I call the next segment the upgrade, which is a power tip for doing our jobs of presenting data, sharing insights more effectively. Is there a resource or a tip that comes to mind that you found really helpful in your journey of learning how to present information? Less is more. <laughs> it is is one. Um, you know, I I think um, tr trying to look at the data through the lens of uh, the consumer of that data, how it might be interpreted um, is, is important, uh, and to layer on top of any data, data visualization, um, your, uh, your commentary, your opinion. And in, in terms of actually presenting the data on, a, on like a slide, for instance, one of the, one of the tips I learned a, a long time ago that I, that, I mean, I could be wrong on this, but the titles of my slides are, are usually the conclusion that I want people to come to, or at least lead with. Fantastic. Yeah. I'm totally on board with that one. <laughs> I believe uh, I heard it called a McKinsey title, where instead of stating what the visual is, you're actually stating the conclusion that you've come to exactly. as a headline of sorts. And I think that's, that is an excellent tip. Bears repeating. So 
This is the final question. Think hard. Imagine this very plausible scenario. You're sailing the French Riviera when suddenly your boat gets caught in a whirlpool and it pulls you back to the moment you're about to walk into your first presentation. What would present day you say to yesterday you? Hmm. Uh, <laughs> present day me, which, oh, first of all, I like your analogy. Uh, <laughs> the analogy. Uh, can't say I've ever come across a whirlpool though, but. Um, well, they're out there. I, I think, you know what? The, the present day me would say um, to stop and, and consider all of the available information first before drawing any conclusions. Uh, it's, um, it's sort of like, you know, you would, you would never navigate a boat around the world with just one instrument, you know, with just uh, radar or GPS. You know, you would, you would always have multiple instruments supplying you with information simultaneously, you know, weather patterns and, and, and all that. Plus, you know, observations that you make yourself on, you know, on what's happening on the water. And in, in terms of like the, using data to, to, um, to come to conclusions and develop insights at, at stop and ask as many questions as you can from as many different perspectives before presenting any kind of conclusion. Um, first before, you know, I just see that time and time again, there's just, you know, it's drawing conclusions without having, it's like the, it's like that parable with the, with the elephant and the five blind men. Yes. (laughs) Yes. That's a, that's an excellent, um, metaphor for that. Yeah, it's actually, I love this tip. Um, In the third step of my protocol, it's all about context and asking all of those questions. Is there anything I'm missing that's going to not allow me to present a full picture or make a truly informed decision? And I don't know that we can ever possibly ask every question possible, but you are right. A lot of times I've found myself taking the first thing I saw at face value and creating a conclusion about it, when in reality, there was definitely probing that would have shown me a different story. Well, this was so interesting. Thank you so much, Aaron, for donating your time to the show. And fortunately, now it has run out. So please tell listeners where they can keep up with you and anything they should look out for. Um, well, first of all, thank you, Leah. <laughs> This was uh, this was great. I can't think of a, a better way to to spend my time than um, being interviewed by you. And your <laughs> oh uh, shucks! But uh, it, to to stay abreast of um, what I'm doing um, and what my my, my company is doing, you, you can go to HeroDigital.com. Um, I often uh, write content uh, that gets posted there, um, and uh, also you know. Um, social media channels. I'm, some, I'm not as active as I should be, but I <laughs> uh, do post from time to time. And, and then I attend um, many industry events as well, like the, uh, the DAA Symposium in Philadelphia, which is coming up next week. And That's D- right. In Austin. Uh, I think, Leah, you're going to be at DAA Hub too, right? I won't just be there. I'm giving the keynote and one of the all-day workshops. I knew I saw your name somewhere. <laughs> Very excited about that. 
Good. Well, I'll see you there. And <laughs> some of your listeners as well. Exactly. I hope so. So thank you again, Aaron. Uh, really, I'm so glad that we were finally able to get you on this show. And I think your perspective of being so close to the data itself and how it's being transmitted back and forth between analyst and stakeholder was really valuable. So uh, thank you again. And I look forward to running into you very soon. Anytime. Thanks, Leah. Another awesome interview. Aaron certainly had so much to offer in his huge breadth of knowledge around presenting things to clients to help them get to act and helping to nurture analysts with exactly how to do that. So I hope this was valuable for you. And I'm really loving how the theme for this year is all around questions and curiosity. So to catch all of the links and resources mentioned in this episode, visit the show notes page at leahpika.com slash 042. I'd love for you to leave me or Aaron any questions or suggestions because we want to hear about the challenges you face when presenting information. And if you like what you've heard, hop on over to iTunes to subscribe, leave a rating, and please leave a review. They are so appreciated because they affect the rankings of the show, and I'll be reading out my favorite ones on future episodes. The show is on Spotify as well, so if you're a Spotify listener, you can definitely find me there. And today's inspiration is from Voltaire, and that is, judge a man by his questions rather than his answers. That might be my quote of the year. <laughs> you know, from this episode and from my previous one on the conscious critique, where I strongly suggest staying curious through a critique process, I think curiosity is the theme for this year for me. Staying curious and asking questions. You know, your world changes when you remain in a place of curiosity. And I can't wait to watch how your world changes as we go and navigate through this world of data storytelling together. That's it for today. Wishing you an awesome rest of January. Namaste and Namago. And that's a wrap. Yeah, that was fun but I can't tell you what it is. So be ready. <laughs> oh, yes, that's right. We did talk about that. Sorry. Oh, perfect. Okay, great. Oh, let me just make one quick change. All right, awesome.